It right. wasn't really, it was see-through like in the surgery. So, and this is what got in my head working out because my hand would sink down into like my spot. I mean, I wouldn't let it do, but like it would, there was no tension. Right. Yes. And third, we thought we had, I had, because there was no, it was so thin. Everyone thought I had a little umbilical hernia that wasn't even there. The tissue was just so thin. Things were like coming out, but because there was no the show everybody I am Jocelyn your host and who you just heard was Lisa Ryan CrossFit coach and pregnancy postpartum athleticism coach Lisa and I connected about a year year and a half ago and she shared her story with me on Instagram and I wanted to reconnect again because she had recently not recently but since then gotten her an abdominoplasty surgery, basically diastasis recti repair. So in this episode, I have her share her journey, not only after baby one, baby two, but her journey finding a surgeon and then her recovery. What intrigues me most about Lisa is that she did the legwork and works, worked really hard to find a surgeon that understood her needs and her wants as an athlete and not just someone who cared about the aesthetic component that so many plastic surgeons market. And I am inspired by her mission to educate women about how to take their care of their bodies and how to find the right team of providers in the event they run into the similar situation that she has run into. Lisa shared her story many, many times, and there was a lot that I wanted to cover with her in this episode. So if you want the nitty-gritty details about her recovery after baby one and baby two, you can check out her website. She has links for her previous podcast interviews and blog posts that highlight those chapters of her life. In this episode, we talk, she walks us through her diastasis recti journey after baby one and baby two, getting it back into CrossFit after each baby, her experience with rehab after each baby, and then her journey finding a plastic surgeon. After that, we talk about her recovery and how it her journey was getting back into CrossFit. And then we talk about some of the things that frustrate us from a marketing perspective because there's a lot of messaging that can be harmful to consumers that are dealing with the effects, whether it be pain, whether it be aesthetic body image issues from diastasis recti. I really love Lisa's work. I admire her mission. She is super passionate about empowering women, and those are the people that I'm looking for to help spread, you know, spread knowledge that is empowering rather than disempowering in the healthcare space. So I'm really grateful for 
Lisa's time. She shared it so generously. This episode's a little bit longer. Uh, I want to note that I am going to intermingle my interview with a local plastic surgeon in Scottsdale on the Instagram page. So be sure to look out for that and follow us there at Pelvic Docs Podcast. And then you can really just help us out by uh, rating the podcast, reviewing the podcast, and subscribing. And if you like something or something really resonated, send us a message. I encourage you to see what Lisa's up to by following her on Instagram at lisa.ryan. or at lisa.marie.ryan. She has several podcast or interviews with plastic surgeons that will also be supplemental to this podcast. And then she just has an incredible journey. I think you're really going to like this episode. And again, I say that about everything, all episodes. (laughs) For this episode and all future episodes, remember our disclaimer, the information used in this podcast should not be used in substitute or in lieu of medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now, let's get on to the show. Welcome back to Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs, guys. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and today I have Lisa Ryan on the show. Lisa, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. I have been following Lisa for quite some time now, and we did a, a Instagram interview, Instagram live interview about a year ago or so was that I I feel like it was just yesterday but it was a while ago I think yeah (laughs) I was in a I was living elsewhere and I knew nothing about if you go over time and you don't have backup recording it doesn't save and I lost it and I was so upset and then our connection was in and out but yes I so I appreciate that you're giving me a second chance here Lisa. (laughs) oh gosh come on (laughs) (laughs) But I have been fascinated by Lisa's journey and her relentlessness of educating women that are in similar shoes as she once was. So I know I, I can't tell the story as well as Lisa can. So Lisa, tell us your story. Where, where, what in the world did you go through and where are you now? Yeah, so um, I'm going to say this quickly, but hopefully with enough depth that you can grasp it for those of you that haven't heard my story before. Um, so I was a competitive CrossFitter for a number of years. Um, we, I, used to, I live in Michigan now, but I lived in Michigan. I moved to California in the Los Angeles area for a number of years because of my husband's job. And I had been CrossFitting since like 2004. So I'm like OG CrossFitter. I moved out there and um, actually became competitive because I ended up at Valley CrossFit with a bunch of like now famous games athletes. And things started evolving and, you know, uh, picking up CrossFit got bigger and all that stuff happened while I was out there. So it was an amazing experience. And the women that I trained with helped me believe that I could do things I never thought I could do physically. Um, so that in accordance to like to moving and being scared to move Midwestern girl in the big city, I had amazing things happen to me. Like I grew so much 
But that ties into my story because when I got pregnant, which I was ready to get pregnant, um, burnt out from competing. I was a high school teacher, so I'd teach all day. I'd, I'd train all night. Um, my husband worked a ton of hours, so it was the perfect timing for both of us to be that busy. But things started to slow down. I started getting a little older, and I was like, boom, time for baby. So we got pregnant right out of regionals, <laughs> which is a fun story to tell. That Sunday of regionals, I didn't take my birth control pill, and we were very blessed. <laughs> um, but And I didn't know anything. So I was like, all right, well, back then it was all about, um, we were kind of fighting the whole, you're going to kill your baby if you work out. Cause there was still that kind of fear over working out and being pregnant. And so I just thought, well, I'm going to show all these people wrong. I'm going to work out not hard. I'm not going to overdo it, but like, I'm going to work out for my pregnancy. So I wouldn't say I did anything crazy. I found out that second trimester, maybe I shouldn't do sit up. So I didn't, but I was still doing toes to bar you know, just whatever, kind of about with how it felt. Um, and I had a rough pregnancy. Like I just had a big baby. I had got a short torso. I had a lot of pains in my stomach, even when I was teaching, didn't really know what was going on, but just whatever. And then about five weeks before my due date, I just could barely walk. Like it was just bad. So I didn't work out. Um, and I had a C-section. It was planned, but then it happened a little bit early. My water broke. So not a traumatic birth by any means. Um, it was, you know, four in the morning type of thing. Um, but I had a hard recovery from that C-section. Like it was just really, 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 really hard. Um, I mean, for two weeks, I felt like I couldn't really walk that much. It was just rough. So two months goes by and my OB said, just wait two months before you go back to the gym. Cool. Fine. Went back. She's like, okay, it's going to be really hard to hurt anything at this point. Um, just go back slowly. She knew I was a CrossFitter and I used to be competitive and everything. She said, just kind of get back to it. I'm like, okay. So I did. And I can't, you know, I came into the gym and it had been three months since I worked out, which is probably the most in so many years I've ever not worked out. And I was scared. I remember I was scared. I couldn't do a push up, So I did one. I couldn't have done a ton of them, but like I did a full push up, and I was like, oh, I'm okay. I was so scared. So scared I lost all of my skills and whatever. Um, and slow, I picked up a PVC pipe. I mean, I came back slowly. I was not trying to rush into anything. I just had no awareness of what happened to my body or what, um, what I really needed. So now I had gained with my first son, I had gained almost 60 pounds and I'm like five, two. So I had a lot of weight on me still. So yeah, my stomach was sticking out, but I wasn't that concerned about it. So I was like, well, I got extra weight and I just had a baby and okay, like whatever. So within that time, uh, we moved back to Michigan and around the time we got back here, the weight, you know, by seven, eight months, the weight was gone. It was a slow process, which was I think should be a slow process. Yeah. <laughs> Seven, eight months is pretty quick. Um, it's a quick, that was quick. Yes. But that, I wasn't wait, trying to yeah. crash diet. It was just, it was slow. Right. I think women struggle a lot with that. And I, I feel blessed that that was a healthy process for me. And it kind of went in waves. And, um, but the problem was when that happened, I still had the stomach and I, like, I just couldn't figure it out. And so did it bother you from an aesthetic standpoint or just, you were just confused as to why it was there? 
at the yeah at this point it bothered me from an aesthetic standpoint it didn't in the beginning because I was like well I just had a baby and I knew this was going to be rough and I just need more time right like well (laughs) um and it wasn't fat like if it was fat and I could have grabbed it but it was like hard I mean, there was some skin, but like it was, it was, I couldn't figure it out. Nobody could figure it out. I got told all kinds of horrible things from all different people, like doctors telling me I needed a surgery before I could have another kid. Um, you know, the worst case they've ever seen. Oh yeah. Like, what, um, what, what kind of doctors? Well, that was my dad's sports doctor. Cause I was okay. desperate. I was just trying to see anybody. Like I didn't know, nobody knew what to tell me. Like my old doctor in California was like, oh, you just need more time. My OB. My new OB here said, well, you can just get a tummy tuck. That's what I had another client, you know, and that's, and ended up what I did, it ended up what I had to do. But like hearing it at that point made me want to throw up. Cause I was like, what? Like, you know, I couldn't. Sure. I couldn't. And then I had people tell me CrossFit was going to wake it worse. You better stop CrossFit. And I, and I just started feeling better. This was like just under a year postpartum. I was starting to feel better again. Um, but here's the thing, a CrossFit, even with that large, I mean, at this point, I don't even know how separate it was, but it was, it was huge. I was doing sit-ups. I was front squatting. I remember I front squatted like 165 for five reps. Um, what else was I doing? I mean, I was doing everything. So, and I felt okay. <laughs> you know? Sure. So, that was really confusing. Yes. Very confusing. So anyway, I finally found a PT, pelvic floor PT, which I would have never found, but my mom was in physical therapy for her back. And uh, someone there was like, oh, well, I might be able to help your daughter. Because I thought, why would I have to go to pelvic floor PT? I had a C-section, right? I mean, I didn't know there was such a thing. So I went there and this lady didn't promise me anything, but she's like, well, I'm going to try to help you. But my rectus muscles were, were way over here on the side um, and they were hard because I'd been using them. So they were mm-hmm. strong. <laughs> they were way over here. So she, I, I backed off for a couple months of which was devastating to me at that time. I remember walking in the CrossFit gym, they had a barbell workout and I didn't know what to do yet. I didn't see this PT yet. I just took light kettlebells and cried through the whole workout. But I mean, what was the difference between that day and the day before when I just did heavy stuff, you know, like, right. There was no difference. <laughs> I just, so for the listeners, since if you don't, you don't see this video, uh, Lisa was demonstrating how wide her the, the six pack muscles were and her distance between her hands was like 10. Probably two hands. Yeah. Two, two hands. Two hands. Yeah. About that wide. So, uh, okay. Go on. Yeah. And you, yeah. <laughs> the day, the day before you were, you were yeah. fine. And then just hearing whatever you heard, you're like, suddenly I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a part of the story. I want you guys to remember because I'm going to come back to that. So um, PT, we, we back, backed off of things for a while. She did a lot of body work um, and just kind of tried to, I don't know exactly what happened because I never, we, I never felt how dense my fascia was. So, you know, when you measure diastasis, it's like, okay, well, where are your rectus muscles, but also how far does your hand sink down, right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully people are getting more of an awareness of that because that, that is just as important, um, if not more important. Um, and so I don't know what, how that was at that point. I'm assuming it was a little bit better than after my second kid, but maybe, I don't know. Um, 
but she just did a lot of work on those muscles and backed off some stuff for a while. And so when I left there, I did feel actively, I could bring my muscles together more. Okay. I could bring them together farther. I think I got to like a three active where before it was much wider, even when she tested me active. Um, so that's all I know during that stage. Do, and you, rem- she- do you remember oh, what your strat, like what it took? Were you familiar with, the, I don't, I re- think I remember this from, from our last interview that you said you didn't, there was no tie in with the pelvic floor and right breath okay. or any of that. Yep. Nothing. Okay. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so then after about two, three months, she just released me back to CrossFit. And then I slowly started back because it, I, my, my muscles were at that point before I went through that and backed off, like, I don't even know if they were technically coming together. They might've almost been like, I mean, it was, it was just kind of, but they were working. I mean, it's just so, it's just, uh, just a reminder, right. That like our bodies are amazing. They and are. yes, it would have been better if I rehabbed and, and knew what was going on and had better support, but still like I was also okay. So I think that that's important because I think sometimes women think they ruin themselves and it's their fault or they didn't know and, and all these things. And I'm not saying we can't make ourselves worse and not realize that. I mean, things happen, right? I'm not saying that never happens, but I think also we have to remind ourselves that it's just never too late. Like there's, we can get help if we feel like we need it. Right. Mm-hmm. It matter if it's however long. Right. I, I see people in their, their late forties and fifties and, I, yep. and we can do a lot yep. of good. Yep. And you know, to, to your point of you saying, feeling like you hurt yourself because you didn't know or whatever you're doing, I have to say that our bodies and our brains, sometimes they're naughty, but yeah. overall pretty smart to stay away from worsening ourselves. Mm. So compens- we learn compensatory approaches. Now saying that, you might develop hip pain, yeah. shoulder yes. pain, neck yes. pain, but you may yes. not be worsening yes. your abdominals or your, sure. if say if it's different, you have a different issue, you may not be worsening that, but it's just manifesting elsewhere because we are, sure. our bodies are smart. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yes. Um, so, so there I was doing CrossFit, um, feeling good till I had my second kid. There's some things that were off limits. I never got on a GHD. Um, I never lifted over a certain weight on my deadlift. I was, I still deadlifting very heavy, but like for me, it wasn't that heavy. I was just nervous because of my stomach. I don't know. Um, you nervous for hernia or something like that. Sure. I had no pressure, pressure management techniques or any of that in my toolbox. It was just me, you know, and there was some core stuff I did that felt fine. Other core stuff I didn't do. Like, so that's where I was. And so overall I was happy and okay and knew that another baby coming. So I was enjoying my time in the gym. Second baby comes now in the middle of all this back up. So in the middle of my strife of realizing, I don't know what's wrong with me and no one can tell me. And everyone's telling me all these traumatic things. I found Brianna battles before she started everything that she started now. And she was on the same hunt. So she had a diocese. This is very different than mine, but a lot of issues with that. She had a hernia repair before I met her. Um, and we were just running around our collective towns. Oh, this PT said this, or this person said this, or I found this and da, 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 da. Well, in the meantime, a couple months before I got pregnant with my second, she found, she started finding more of the quality people out there and quality info. And was like seeing the whole new world of things versus towel sit-ups. <laughs> so we started seeing the connection to uh, pelvic floor and breath and 
all of these things. And so she calls me, she's all excited. I'm like, that's great. And then I shut it all down. Cause I was like, I, I can't be, I can't hear anything else until I'm not ready. Like, I'm just going to work out. Don't tell me. And then when I got pregnant a couple of months later, I was like, all right, tell me, let's do it. So then I, I learned all the cool stuff. Right. And worked out during that pregnancy. It just looked different. Mm-hmm. I could feel my stomach. I mean, I actually have a post coming in maybe two more weeks of how I looked at like 40 weeks pregnant with my second son because it's just that baby's just all up in that diastasis. Like, it's just like, it was so concerning. Like, it was just like, like what you, I mean, what you would expect because everything was already stretched out. Right. But it was, um, and so I truly controlled what I could, but I knew I could not control everything. (laughs) You can't. So you um, talk about just really quickly, all the cool stuff that you, you just referred to. Yeah. So I had been a CrossFitter since, like I said, 2004, I've been Valsavaing my breath my whole life. Not that there's anything wrong with doing a Valsava at all, but I'd never been learned another way. So now I started learning this, oh, try breathing out instead of holding your breath. Oh my gosh. Like I felt like this was the end of the world. Like I'm like, I'm never going to get this. I think back to it. It was so dramatic and it's so funny, but, um, but I did get it, you know, like, and, and important point you just made, because I think every every one of us goes through that process. Yes. Yes. It's a pain because one, you don't want to have to be doing it. And two, it's really hard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's just no fun, you know, but it's, it's so worth it. So first I practiced that. Then I realized, oh, there's these different ways to breathe in a different parts of my body. Oh, like this is really cool. Oh yeah. I'm really rib thrusting. Now, not that that's everything, right. But like, okay, you know, a lot of CrossFitters are, you know, you're snatching chest up, chest up again, not that that's wrong. It's a beautiful thing to do, but Hey, during certain parts, maybe we want to tone that down a little bit to help our bodies. Um, so I learned the whole, like, um, just even like connecting with my pelvic floor, which I was, was also mind blowing at first and took some practice. And I just practiced, like I stripped the weights. I practiced breathing different ways in my squat, um, for a while until I felt like I was pretty good at it. I actually started squatting a different way. Not that my other squat was bad or bad form, but I just was like, okay, how can I do this different? Maybe load my hamstrings more, you know, just stuff. Like I played around with it. And I stopped toes to bar early. I even stopped strict pull-ups because I was so much pressure there, even from an early stage. Um, and honestly, there was pro- it was probably no different throughout my whole time I wasn't pregnant because I wasn't looking for coning at all. I didn't really even think no of that. And, and I was fine and in between, and I probably was coning and that's okay, but I didn't know not to look for it. So I probably could have maybe even done those strict pull-ups a little bit farther into my pregnancy, but I literally stopped at the, at the positive test and I put a band on and got rid of the pressure. Cause why? Yeah. Why? why? I mean, why? There's no right. reason. Like I'd rather control everything I can. I can still work out and be strong and I'll get back to that stuff later. Cause I had a different attitude because I know after my first one that all that stuff came back, my muscle up came back. I could do push-ups. <laughs> all my strength on my lifts came back and it came back way faster than I thought and I was not even training a lot. Um, so it, it, that st- there was no panic about, oh my gosh, could I get this stuff back? It was such a pleasurable experience besides the fact that I was just uneasy about 
that stretching there and I knew more what was happening, which was hard. So your second, second go at this, the key things here are that you move differently. Yeah. Recognizing how you moved before, it wasn't necessarily bad. It's just different. Right. Yeah. You knew things were going to come back fast because I know if you're new and you're listening to this show and you're a new mom, you're, everything's new and it's scary because there's no, nothing to compare it to in your friends, your sisters, and all of those experiences you've heard about is different. Just like Brianna and Lisa's experience was different, at least in terms of their diastasis recti. So there's no different is okay between people and then just in terms of your movement. Mm -hmm. You've got to practice. You've got to practice. And it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worthwhile. And just remember, things are going to come back fast if you go through the process. Yep. Yep. The process in the beginning is frustrating. Like, and it's not, it's frustrating for everybody but it's so worth it. Totally. So now where are you? Have you had your kid, so, your second kid? Yep. So point? I had my second kid, another C-section, um, which I chose. I had the whole drama over V-backing for a while, which it was, that was never for me anyway. So I don't even know why I put myself through that. And that's another thing I like to tell moms, like there's a lot of guilt around a lot of things with birth and you got to find what's right for you. And that's really hard because you have to look at the risks and the science and the this and the that and talk to your doctor and listen to your mind. And like, there's a lot to it, but I remember, um, I went to get, try to, or try to get a read on how big the baby was to help me decide about VBAC or not. Right. Which those things are not accurate, especially later in pregnancy. So they said that he was going to be like five pounds. I had another almost nine pound baby that weighed the exact same as my first baby. <laughs> so I don't even know why I did, but I cried when I got the results because I wanted it to be a big baby so I could just say no. And then I realized, what am I doing? I just want the second C-section. I don't want five kids. So what am I doing to myself? Like, and I wish I would have found peace with that earlier. But, um, and some people, VBACs are the right decision for them too. Like, it's just, it's just needs to be for you, right? Well, and the other thing is I gained 60 pounds in my first pregnancy. My second pregnancy, I gained maybe 28, same size baby. Wow. What a difference. Same size baby. How? So, what? Right? How did, was it a e difference in how much you ate? Um, so my first pregnancy, I was coming off of a very restrictive eating because I was competing. And I was very like one cheat meal a week. Da, da, da. And then I got pregnant and I was sick to my stomach much more than my second pregnancy. I didn't throw up or anything, but I was nauseous. And I also was like, oh, I'm nauseous and carbs. And I think I went kind of nuts coming off of that. My second pregnancy, I was just balanced eating and I was a little nauseous still my first trimester, but like, it was just, I just stayed balanced and it wasn't so like, Ugh. and I think that that's a part of it. Um, but it's also interesting to see genetically the baby size, like didn't really have anything to do with how much weight I gained just interesting. Um, so yeah, so I had my second son and about, so I had planned to have Brie come here for a seminar because she had just um, started her first coach's course and, and she started doing workshops and just, you know, she's kind of just starting, right? 
And I was like, well, hey, I want to meet you in real life. And how about we do a workshop at my gym and fly you in here and da, 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 da. So I saw her about six months out. And I had seen the PT I saw before, a couple of months before that. And we were kind of doing the same things we were doing before. Um, but this time my rectus wasn't really strong in that place because I hadn't really done, I was, you know, things. And I did, at this point, I did Brianna's like eight-week program, the first one she ever wrote. And so I was only training three days a week. I was very aware of pressure things and, you know, kind of coming back in a, in a very um, rehab-focused manner. And it was good. Well, she felt my stomach at six months. And I still laugh to this day about what a good poker face she had because she was like, okay, we need to get you to a different PT. You're at six months. This is a good time to figure this out. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Okay. She's like, we just need to get you to someone that knows a little bit more. So I was about to fly to Chicago to see someone there. And then by the grace of God, I found the, the PT that I still work with to this day. Um, and I cried. Like, it was just like, oh my gosh. Like I talked to her on the phone. And I couldn't believe that she like got all, she got it. So I started seeing her and that changed everything. That changed everything. So I had her from six months to, I mean, just forever. And, um, because like, I was trying to like do alignment corrections, but I was like so extreme that I just, it, like, it is really hard to do that stuff just on your own by watching like somebody's video online or saying, oh yeah, just move your rib cage a little bit or do this because it's, I'm an overthinker. Like I was pregnant and breathing out and picking up a piece of paper off the ground. Like that was ridiculous. I was overdoing it because I was trying to control too much because I felt like I had not controlled enough before. And then at one point when I was working with Nancy, I thought I was getting a prolapse. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting a prolapse. Cause I felt like almost pressure down there. It was like a year postpartum. And so I had her do an internal check, which was good anyway, because like I could, I, I could, I never had any issues there, but I could feel like how the internal check went and, you know, it just gave me more perspective so I could talk to my clients about it. Well, I was just so tight down there from unnecessarily like doing pelvic floor contractions because I was thinking I needed to do that because of my diastasis. <laughs> it was just like, it's, it's funny now, but it's like, oh my gosh, like that's another danger path you can go down to when you're alone, when you're not working with someone that knows what you exactly need. It is, and I, I'm the perfect example. Now, I fixed that and it was fine. And, you know, I realized I needed to relax a little bit more, but um, it's, it's an important point for people to understand, you know? I'm glad you mentioned that because it is, it is such, oh my gosh, working at it alone, you're just so in your head. Yes. And we're overthinkers. Yeah. You know, we're A plus students. Um, we want to do it right. We want to control it. We want to do whatever, it, whatever it is. And unfortunately, like this is not working on a muscle up skill where we can just like get stronger and do some dips and like do some transitions. Like this is like, oh, we also need to learn how to relax too. And we also need to learn how to just move with automaticity without overthinking any part of your body. Um, and that was only, I felt like available to me and something that I could achieve because of the people that were on my team. Never could I have done it without them. So. 
really important point because a lot of people that are that move well or that are personal trainers coaches they think that because they have that expertise or that set of knowledge they don't need to see someone else yeah and, and what i can tell you is that let's say inefficient way of thinking you need to give yourself space to be a patient or be a learner because you have athlete brain mm -hmm. or your brain is <laughs> somewhat of a, uh, uh, you're, you get, we get hard headed. Yeah. And even as my, so myself, I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. I've been specializing this in this now for going on to five years since my second year of PT school. I have never felt so good and so relieved to put my struggles into another pelvic floor PT's hands. Even though I know how to do, I know how yeah. to do everything. Yeah rehab myself. Yeah. The one thing I could even do my own, my fascial work, but that is just, you got to give yourself permission to just being vulnerable and getting help. It doesn't mean a weakness. You're not weak. It's yeah. huge. So, I, think it's, I think it's the way that you're going to see the most success. Yeah. Fast 100%. too. It's not going to yes. be fast, but it's going to be faster yes. than you trying, yes. trying yes. to do it on your own. Like breathing out and picking out a piece of paper when I was pregnant. <laughs> that, was yeah. that was overworking my system of anything like that was <laughs> silly. You know, it's funny now, but, but I know people, I know women get um, hung up on that or they're so hung up on their rib cage, right? It's just one part to it. And honestly, like, you know, if you guys follow or heard, you know, Anthony Lowe's work, like, you know, I've worked with him and stuff too, but like alignment's a thing, but really all it is, is you're doing something different or you're changing it to change the symptoms. There isn't a perfect posture. There isn't the perfect thing, right? What's going to make you feel better and change it up for a little bit. That's all it yes, is. Yeah. So there's, once the women, women get out of that, oh, I'm, I hear it all the time. Oh, I'm so bad. Or, oh, I'm standing wrong. Or, oh, all of that builds up and then honestly it just makes your body more tense and you're going to get more symptoms like it's a recipe for disaster yep um Absolutely. and you need someone to get you out of that right yeah it, the key is being able to transition in and out of all different types of positions yeah yes and it's and the same thing with the breath like when i was recovering from my abdominoplasty I, there were times squatting where I would change my breath in recovery and it would feel better one way or another way. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I got all these tools. Like, this is great. It was fun. I felt like I had control. I felt like I could play around and enjoy it. I mean, I was so grateful for all the crap I'd been through because I felt like I am the, a better, much better athlete now because of that as well. So. So can you now transition into the part where, I mean, you're seeing it, you saw a different PT when, yeah. At what point did you decide, okay, I need to have surgery? Yeah. So I kind of knew it before my second kid, but at that point I had planned, I had a, I had a very interesting year or two after that. So I saw Brianna. Then, um, I was going back to California to visit some friends from when I lived there. And I planned to see Julie Weeb because she was in California at the time. And gosh, her old office, I don't know where she is now, but was like, five minutes from the old CrossFit gym I was at when I was there. I'm like, what the hell, you know, God, made me so mad. But anyway, I went to see her to kind of confirm, Hey, do I need surgery? And Nancy was kind of happy too to get a second opinion, you know, and 
we uh, refined some some breathing techniques. It was a really fun um, couple hours with her. And at that point, I was fine. I didn't even cry. I kind of knew it, you know, but I just wanted the, you know, uh, confirmation with that. And I had, that was in December. And my plan was to start doing consults that next January um, with the plan of not doing it until the very next year from that. So it was going to be like the next process. I'm like, oh my God, can I just have a break? Like, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's on to surgery crap. But, you know, that was kind of the plan. And then I came back and worked out more. And Nancy and I worked together for a long time and we were adjusting things. But we were very, um, we were very set on, you know, not allowing myself to donor comb when I was cone when I was working with Nancy. And I got to the point where I could almost do a strict pull up and get that gone. I mean, I was doing some really not fun, but hard work with some of those movements to try to play around with managing that pressure, but still doing the things I wanted to do. Granted, I wasn't doing toes to bar or anything like that. Um, well, at about 18 months postpartum, when I was still doing burpees on my knees, because I was concerned about my diastasis, Brianna was like, Lisa, she's like, you needed to go do a consult with Anthony. She's like, you need to stop doing burpees on your knees. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm in my safe zone, you know? So I, I planned this consult, Anthony Lowe, this is at 18 months postpartum. And he basically in that two hours together, it was supposed to be an hour, but we went to, got me doing, what did we even do? We did GHD sit-ups. We did um, all the things that I hadn't done, like a strict L-sit pull-up. Everything I told him I hadn't done, he had me do. I set my muscle up because I needed to not just jump up there and try that without putting some other work in first. Um, and he showed me that it was okay for me to do that, that I was ready, that I was strong enough, that my type of doming that was going on there was okay in my particular case and gave me the green light to just work out again. And I cried and oh my God, like, and I was like, oh my God, because I thought I wouldn't be able to do that stuff till after my surgery. So I started doing it. He said he wanted my muscle up back by the time I went to his workshop, and which was six weeks from then. And so I got it back. I did it at the workshop. It was this very cool thing. Um, and then I spent the rest of that time. So it was like, what, eight months until surgery or something like that. But um, as using myself as a test study. So I'm like, okay, I planned my surgery for April. And... Um, at this point, I don't think I even nailed down the April date or the surgeon yet, but I knew around the time it was going to be February, March, April. And I just did different stuff with my stomach, see what it looked like, see how it felt, see what happened. Like, I'm like, this is cool. This is great. And I'm so grateful for that time. Like I could not be any more grateful for that time before surgery. I learned so much. Now I know that this is just my body and it's not Sally's body or whoever else's body, but um, I got so strong with what I had that it again reminded me how adaptable our bodies are, how a diastasis is not a death sentence. Um, and I, I mean, during that, I don't know, whatever time, eight months is like, that's when I truly like learned to love my body again. Um, I never liked the way it looked, but like, I felt like I was helping people. I felt like PTs were changing their minds because they were looking at what I was doing. I felt like I was changing things. I felt happy at the gym. I was excited. Um, I could push myself again. I felt free. Like 
there were, I mean, once, maybe 5% of the time I'd get a little nervous about something in there, but overall it was fine. And like, uh, yeah, so, um, it was, uh, a good time. <laughs> wow. I'm sure that that freedom of expression and as an athlete, the ma your language is movement, right? So to get that back and be able to move the way you were afraid to because right. of whatever things that you had processed in your mind. Right. I mean, it's like that, oh my gosh, I know my purpose type yeah, of moment. Absolutely. And, and I think the other thing that was so cool is, so when I did that console with Anthony, Nancy was in there with me and also another friend of mine who's a um, pregnancy postpartum coach. And now she's a pelvic floor PT herself. She ended up specializing in pelvic floor. She was a PT at the time and um, they were both there. And the fact that Nancy came to that thing, I was her client for how long, right? And Anthony just swoops in, does what he does. And she was along for the ride and was not like funny about it. She wasn't, didn't have an eat, like, you know what I mean? Like she was just like, all right, okay. And then we like evolved together on this thing. I think that's so powerful because I think I see a lot of times where physical therapists, doctors, people like they have to be right or has to be their way, or they get very weird about that. When reality, it's like, we're all in this together and it's about the patient. It's not about you. Um, and that was a very, and I try to tell a lot of people that cause that is quality care, right? That is quality care. People get care that they think is quality that isn't really, but they've never experienced it before. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's huge. If you're listening and you're seeing, or if you go see a provider, you're currently seeing a provider who is being territorial or kind of brushes you off when you inquire about other things out there, be careful because this is all, this stuff is pretty new. And I know for me that I do my best work when I collaborate with other therapists. Yes. And I think as we shift into the future, as we move into the future, we need to consider a more inter interdisciplinary model, whether that's uh, from provider, patient, trainer, yes. therapist, sex therapist, whatever, whatever. And then also intradisciplinary collaboration. So orthotherapist, and pelvic floor therapist or pelvic floor therapist that is the orthotherapist. And yeah. then, I mean, it, that's, that's where it is when, when you're doing your best work for the patient and not for you. Yep. So thank you for mentioning that all the things that your provider, your therapist did yep. to support your journey. Yep. So Nancy, you rock. I want to meet you. Yeah. We're going to do a live soon, so we'll make sure you're on there too or something. That's awesome. <laughs> so you now worked with Anthony. Uh -huh. You started just doing your thing. You got your muscle up back. Yeah. Tell us now surgery time. Yeah. So um, it was really hard for me to find a surgeon. I, at this point, don't trust anybody. Like it was just bad. Like, and to make it worse, you talk to a plastic surgeon, 
and I'm very concerned about return to athletics when they don't understand what my athletics are. First guy tried to explain it, don't understand. Another guy told me he wanted to put a bunch of mesh in me because he was scared about all the heavy lifting I was doing. Um, just like, but they didn't quite get it. And um, that's really hard because that's like a big part of why I'm getting the surgery. Um, not to necessarily make me a better athlete, but like I want to be able to return everything I want to do. So that was hard. And just that I was very, very untrusting at this point because I'd been jerked around so much before. Um, but so my surgeon was the first one that actually understood athletics, talked to me like that. Um, you know, I would say the other two guys had a pretty good like bedside manner. They weren't really assholes or anything, but like this guy was, I mean, well, you saw the interview. I mean, he's super easy to talk to and just uh, great. So he, so fun story about this guy. So Julie Fouché is a friend of mine. Um, and she, so Lucky Dr. Siderna, so Dr. Dr. Siderna um, is, his daughter went to high school with Julie and then Julie knew someone that worked with him at some point who's a plastic surgeon. So I had texted her. I'm like, okay, you have been plastic surgeons. Let's get the scoop. And he was at the top of the list along with some other surgeons. So I was like, okay. And then I asked, like Nancy worked for U of M at the time. She's cash-based business now, but fully. But, um, and so she did some digging and got some names and all, and three different people. And his name was always on there. He was the one that was always on there, but he was super busy. I'm like, well, I'm starting way early. So if I have to book out, like it's fine. So I thought, okay, I'll see him. And it was great. Like, but I still, after I saw him, I still wasn't like, oh, I completely trust this guy. Like it took mm -hmm. me a long time. And I went back with questions and more questions. And I would ask Anthony what to ask. And I would talk to Brianna and I would talk to Nancy. And I would, I mean, I would just try to understand the surgery. I listened to Diane Lee interviews about surgery, which also actually made me freak out more because they didn't her surgeon did it a little bit differently. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like. And it's it really technical, technical language. So that's very that technical. And I'm just like, God, someone give me the right way. What's the answer? But you know what? All the surgeons do it differently. And mm -hmm. it will drive you insane. I went insane, like <laughs> straight up. Like I was just like, somebody tell me. And really, and I think that my, my doctor communicated this very well in our interview that like they do it the way they were trained. So you gotta find someone you just trust and go for it and do what they think's best for you. Holy shit, that's why that was like my worst nightmare after everything I'd been through. Like, I don't trust anybody, what do I do? But I did, I did it, it just took time. Well, it's, I think there's something to say that you didn't rush into it. You did, you, allowed yourself that space to take the time you yeah. didn't rush into it because I think a lot of people would be like oh Lisa did this so I need to do this really yeah. quickly but before I move on I want to give context in case the listeners like Julie Fouché Diane Lee oh yeah sorry that's Julie important Fou Julie Fouché is a is a physician and she also was a uh, crossfitter and games level CrossFitter, right? Yeah, she podiumed and she's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> and she, uh, yeah, I really like 
her a lot and I like yeah. her podcast. Uh, yeah. Diane Lee is a physiotherapist in Canada and she is a very influential figure in the rehab, the diastasis recti rehab space. And she is phenomenal and brilliant, but highly, highly technical. Yes. I know I have to watch and rewatch and rewatch when I am going through any of her trainings, but she's brilliant, but not for just anyone to just listen to take a class. Like if you're not really already deep into this, it's going to be a little much and make it crazy. But right. Right. So you, and she's phenomenal, but she also, um, but I also need someone that understands CrossFit. That's what I'm going to do. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, it's, it's, it's tough and it doesn't have to be CrossFit. Like CrossFit's my thing. Maybe your thing's something else. Right. But you have, you've got to have, you have to feel understood and heard. You have to, you cannot settle. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our two-part series on Lisa's journey recovering with diastasis recti. Be sure to look out for the release of part two midweek. And if you have any thoughts or you like what you hear, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Follow Lisa, follow me. Check out the show notes to get access to Lisa's guide. Um, If you're not sure what I'm talking about, we will go into a little bit more detail about the things that she has made available for people who follow her as they go on their journey. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time on Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs.